Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I have Mike, the writer, on the podcast, uh, uh, vice president of the writer firms. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, I'm a third generation family farm. Now we farm up here in Hart, Michigan. So over on the west side of the state in Oshina County. Uh, we predominantly grow tart cherries, uh, apples, and peaches. We have a small tart cherry processing facility uh, that we've been operating uh, pretty much since my grandpa started the farm back in 68. Uh, he was a steel worker down in Muskegon area, and he saved up his life savings and moved up here to Hart and became a fruit farmer, and we've been doing it ever since. Um, I married my high school sweetheart. We got, uh, I got one little boy named Landon who will be turning six here in about a week and a half. And then we, uh, as of about three and a half weeks ago, just uh, adopted uh, my second child named Bryson out of Texas. So we got him home. And uh, so I have two little ones running around the house and a couple dogs. And that's pretty much the background. Did you grow up working on the farm? Because um, yep. it's been in the family. So talk about that experience. Sure. Yep. Nope. So I uh, grew up on the farm. Uh, I would say, I mean, my dad had us doing little jobs from when we were 10, 12 years old. Maybe it was, uh, you know, like a deer repellent hanging on little trees and whatnot. Just little, little odds and ends trying to teach us how to, uh, you know, just how to work. Uh, it seems like a lot of kids nowadays don't get that opportunity in learning how to work. Uh, and I think my dad uh, and mother both had a, a, a passion for trying to teach their kids. I, I'm one of three siblings, but teaching all three of us how to work. Uh, and have that work ethic uh, when we hit the job market. Um, but done pretty much all the jobs all the way through, all the way up until right now we're, we're you know, at management levels. Uh, but uh, my father definitely made sure that we did all the jobs on the farm so that way, even if we hire somebody to do the jobs, we know exactly what kind of work they're gonna be doing out in the fields because we've, we've been there, done that. Um, and obviously when you're growing up, you don't like doing some of those hard manual labor jobs. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it definitely made us who we are, all three of us siblings, myself included, uh, made us the people that we are today. Because um, you definitely need a strong work ethic in farming, especially during the summer months. I don't think a lot of people realize it's not a not a 40-hour week during the summer. It's, you know, we're lucky if we put in less than 70 during the heat of the battle. And when we're running cherries, our cherry process facility runs 24-7. And uh, so I got you know, we, we got a handful of guys out of the, out of the different shifts that'll work over a hundred hours a week. So it, it's a lot of hours. Granted, it's only for a few weeks, but uh, we call it our crunch time and uh, everybody picks up the slack. But if you have a strong work ethic, it's awfully difficult to put in a hundred, 110 hours a week if you don't have that drive behind you. So. Right. Right. So you said you, you, you guys are doing tart cherries, you're doing apples as well, right? And, and yep. asparagus uh, and peaches and peaches. Yeah, we dabbled a little bit in asparagus last year on a fresh uh, packing line. Um, it didn't work out quite like we were hoping. Uh, market trends and, and our business plan didn't quite work out, so we ended up dropping that product line this this year. So we're just they're just doing cherries, apples, and peaches currently. Okay, so all tree tree fruits. Pretty much, yep, all tree fruits. Yep. So what's the difference again? I'm, so I like I mentioned, I'm I'm new to to um, food and agriculture, and and um, so could you explain? Uh, the difference, you know, between the tree fruits and, and, and some of the other um, crops that may grow, you know, on um, that you may, I don't know, they're all ground fruits, but some of the difference between working with tart cherries and apples and peaches and, and other crops. 
Sure, sure. So uh, I'll start with the three that we do, if that's okay. Um, so tart cherries, uh, apples, and peaches. So they all all require uh, a little TLC with as far as weed management and uh, some funguses, because Michigan has obviously high humidity uh, with its climates. So we deal with a lot of uh, fungal issues or bacterial issues. Um, as far as uh, how much labor, uh, cherries are probably the least labor intense. Uh, when you get into peaches, for example, you have to run uh, people physically through your peach block because when you see that beautiful pink bloom out in a peach tree, uh, if all goes well, Mother Nature doesn't, you know, have any frost issues or freeze issues, every one of those will be a peach. So you have to knock off some of those peaches. Otherwise, you get a million little small peaches that nobody likes to eat at the grocery store. So you like a nice big plump peach. So you have to physically go through and knock them off by hand and spread out evenly through the tree. So you get a nice, uh, good-sized peach over typically two and a half inches to three inches. Um, that way it's, it's grown nice and, and at the grocery store when consumers go to, to purchase that product. Uh, apples um, isn't as finicky to thin, uh, but you still have to thin them. So there is, there is some uh, methods that aren't manual uh, uh, to remove some of the apples from the trees for the same logic. Otherwise you get a million little apples and really you want to, you want a nice crop, but you need a good size apple. Um, where cherries uh, requires no thinning. Uh, so there's not a lot of manual labor there. Um, when you talk about harvesting the three, uh, cherries uses shakers where it physically forms a canvas around the tree. And uh, there's a machine that goes up and physically pinches the trunk and then shakes it to shake the fruit down in the canvas to collect the fruit. So it's, it's not manually picked on the tart cherry side, uh, which obviously adds efficiencies there. Mm -hmm. uh, apples and peaches have to be manually picked. Uh, so wow. there's a lot of, lot of manual labor. So if you can, you know, especially on the peaches, because you got manual labor to thin it, you got manual labor to pick it and harvest it. Uh, apples is more just on the harvesting side, but still there's a lot of labor involved with apples and peaches over tart cherries that can be mechanically harvested. Um, so that's one of the, the, you know, I guess from a labor standpoint, an advantage with tart cherries. I didn't realize you had to, to do all that by hand, like with the peaches and the apples. That's, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of labor. Yeah. Of labor. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, what is the, the process? Take me through the process of, I guess, you know, when you're in your dry season and in prepping for, um, I guess, growing and then uh, talk about that process. What is that like? Sure. So, uh, well, I'll give you, so kind of the course of the whole year, kind of 30,000 foot view, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So yep. uh, over the winter, the trees obviously shed their leaves, they go dormant. Um, in the spring, when the weather starts to come up, the trees come out of dormancy and you start seeing a little bit of bud tissue. And then you start seeing the flowers open up on the fruit trees. Those flowers are essentially what's going to be your fruit. And uh, you got to make it through uh, all your frost periods, which is right in that bloom window, a little before, a little after, but you got to get through that frost period. Uh, and that's also your pollination period too. So you have to get through the frost, you have to get pollinated in order to even have fruit to grow for the fall. Uh, we've only had two times in the history where we had mass disasters. You know, they call it once in a lifetime experiences. I've experienced two once in a lifetime in 02 and 2012 where we for all sake purposes, we wiped out every fruit that we had in all varieties. Wow. So if you get past that, uh, once the petals fall off, the fruit will start to develop on the tree. 
uh, at that point, you want to maintain healthy fruit, healthy trees, all the way through nutrient-wise, uh, you know, weed control, all sorts of things like that. Um, and then basically tart cherries comes into production uh, early July in my neck of the woods. Uh, it varies from late June to maybe mid-July. Our neck of the woods is kind of in that early July frame. Uh, and then it takes about three, four, four weeks to get that harvest off. Uh, apples takes a little longer and peaches takes a little longer to fully develop uh, the crop. So our peaches will come on typically uh, fully developed ready to pick right in that August timeframe. Uh, different varieties come on at different windows. So we have five different varieties of peaches and the earliest variety will come on towards that early mid part of August and then the last variety that will be starting to harvest will be towards the end of August, maybe even early September. Uh, again, we space that out for labor needs. Uh, so that way we can keep people busy for a month time span instead of for just one week for one variety, for example. So, uh, and then after that comes on, then we, we dip into more of the fresh apples, such as the honey crisp will come into production right in that September window. Uh, and then we'll jump into some more processing uh, varieties like Ida Reds or Empires and, and stuff like that. Typically, uh, either end, end of October is pretty normal for those varieties. So, and then once the fruit is harvested off of all the trees, um, it's again, just maintaining a healthy tree until it goes back into dormancy for the winter time frame. So that's kind of a, a very, you know, 30,000 foot view without getting too technical on everything. That's kind of the, the yearly process. And there's a lot of, a lot of work and maintenance and, and nutrition programs for all the trees and, and fruits to make sure they're healthy all the way through. So. So there's a lot, like I said, a lot of labor, a lot of work that goes into it all year long. And so it looks oh, yeah. like just from going to your website and, and looking around, looks like you guys, you know, operate a pretty large um, farm. You have a processing facility as well. Um, talk about, I guess, the growth, like from 68 until now. I mean, what did that growth sure. look like? Sure. So, uh, so back in 68, uh, this, uh, well, I'm, I'm in my office right now. We call it the, the main farm, but uh, my grandpa purchased, uh, it was an old farmhouse where I'm sitting right now with 20 acres uh, and, and I had some uh, sweet cherries and I think maybe a dab of apples and some, some cows. Uh, grandpa, obviously, my grandpa didn't want to be a, a, an animal farmer per se, it just wasn't his cup of tea. Uh, so when he purchased it, uh, he sold the cows off and basically farmed the 20 acres. Uh, from there, uh, he just... Uh, they had some good years because obviously it takes good years to, to do expansion projects. And, and I think all farmers are, are Dutch to a certain degree where they, they save up for those, you know, events that mother nature, you, you can't control. Um, you know, so everybody's pretty Dutch and you try to save up some, some cash flow. Uh, and then he slowly started uh, purchasing land. Uh, I think my dad was in eighth grade when they moved up here, when they purchased their first house. Uh, you know, up in the homestead here. And then uh, they just, it was slow growth, uh, you know, all the way through. My dad uh, had the opportunity when he was in college, there was some really good cherry years back then. Uh, put some money away and uh, obviously invested and bought a couple other farms uh, at that point. So uh, definitely slow growth uh, in ag that I've seen. Uh, it gets pretty, I've seen some fast growth, but it gets awfully scary really fast because things markets can crash pretty quick or mother nature takes up your crop and you still have to pay those debts mm -hmm. and those loan payments with no income. So um, that's why I think farmers in general are, are pretty conservative with their financing as a whole. So, but it's been a slow process. So I know you mentioned earlier about um, the youth 
And uh, just with your experience growing up working on a farm and, and even now, what do you think, I mean, the younger generation, it's like they have misconceptions, I guess, about food and ag and, and farming. And uh, do you think it's changing? Do you think it's getting worse? And, and how can the industry, I guess, attract more youth to it? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I, I probably should have mentioned at the beginning, too. So I, I actually serve on the Michigan Farm Bureau Board of Directors, too, at the state level. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we have a young farmer program. Uh, where we, we try to uh, help with leadership skills and networking uh, amongst young farmers and try to try to you know open up a lot of eyes through FFA programs through high schools work with them so so the youth understands that there's a, it's a lot more than just maybe what I do per se um, you know there's agronomists that are needed there's welders there's plumber I mean there's all sorts of slew of jobs uh, that are in agriculture but maybe they're not literally farming and we're trying to open up uh, that experience to a lot of kids. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's gotten worse from a youth standpoint in our neighborhood. We've always been lucky and fortunate that we've been able to, to get some high school kids and maybe some younger college kids that have came and helped us out throughout the summer to, you know, put some extra cash in their pocket, maybe buy a car, whatever their, their goals and ambitions are. Um, but I, I don't know if I've seen the youth decline per se. Um, I know statistically, obviously the, the average age of the farmer is up there where it's, it's very concerning. Um, and we need a, we need a big group of youth coming in. Um, I think that when eggs experiencing good times, uh, I think it helps attract a lot of the youth. And right now there's a lot of commodities that are struggling. Uh, I know there's a lot, a lot of fruits that are struggling all your row crops are struggling. Obviously dairy is really struggling on the misery scale. Um, and I know that discourages a lot of kids from wanting to get involved. Um, and I, I can't say I blame them a whole lot. I mean, I, if I put myself in their shoes coming out of high school or college, um, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of operations operating at either the cost of production or even slightly under the cost of production, you know, it doesn't seem like a good business. I, I got a business background. So it just, <laughs> when you run the numbers on a business plan, it comes out to a negative. It doesn't seem like a smart move at that point right, in time. Right, right. Um, but I think farmers look at the long haul. Um, at least I do. Um, cause we have waves, we have dips, we have good times, we have bad times. And I think that also flows in that conservative nature financially of farmers. Uh, you got to take the goods with the bads. It's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be bad. Um, but you got to kind of coast, you got to take those troughs and valleys out of your, out of your income stream a little bit. And when you have good years, put a little away cause you know there's gonna be a bad year coming and try to coast through it. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, a crop of youth. I think the tough part is getting to them. And getting that experience. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a, a it was a, a high schooler down uh, at the local high school here at came and worked for me. Never, no farming background. Uh, ended up being a fantastic kid. We ended up hiring him all the way through college. He was great. He ended up being a lineman. And uh, I know that he even wishes that he could make someday enough money to buy his own farm and, and start farming. So I know it had a, a very positive impact on him, his work ethic, and uh, what he actually wants to do. Even though he's a lineman now. He would actually love to get back into fruit farming just from his experience from working with us for, I don't know, probably eight years or so. So and great, great kid too. So we, we've had a lot of, we've been fortunate to have some really good kids come through high school and college that have, you know, had really good experiences. And I know, I know they love agri, even though they may have moved on, mm-hmm. they still have a soft spot for agriculture. So. No, and you, so you mentioned you had a business background and, and did you, um, you went to school for business. 
I did. Yep. So I did not. Uh, mo most <laughs> when you talk to most people in agriculture, they'll tell you MSU because um, they have a, MSU's got a fantastic. Agriculture oh yeah. Program. Oh yeah. Um, I actually went to uh, Muskegon Community College for a couple years, just south of me, about a half hour, and then I went to Grand Valley State University for business background, uh, mainly because of our unique. I mean, everybody's a little unique in their way, but our, the way our farm is structured with the processing line and selling and marketing consumers and stuff like that, the business degree just seemed like a better fit for me personally than maybe an agronomy degree, even though they, they both would have been beneficial. Um, I just thought, you know, my, my business degree would be a little more well suited for what I'm doing. So, yeah, so you always knew that you wanted to, to stay in farming, you know, growing up in it, but, um, or did you, did you, uh, move away from it? And so, want to do something more in business. Well, you are in business, but did you want to move away from farming? Sure. That, well, there was definitely a time frame where I, I think I, I chewed on it really strongly. Um, you know, when I when I started going to college, um, and you know they have career fairs like any other college. You know, when you start looking at the job opportunities, and, and I am getting an MBA, so um, I was looking around at different jobs and, and careers that I could uh, go into. And I'm I'm you know for being honest, uh, I was definitely looking at other fields. Um, but there's just something I was just telling somebody the other day. Once you, when you when you grow up in agriculture, it's really, really tough to leave. You know, no different than the the experience I told you about the high school we we had. And I grew up in it my whole life. And I think when push really came to shove, uh, my family, my heart drew me back to the farm because uh, I, I want to raise my kids the same way that I was raised. And uh, you know, I very fortunate. I grew up in the family and the upbringing I did. And, uh, I want that same experience for my children. And, uh, so that's what, that's what brought me back to the farm. So, so, and what is that? Like that, that feeling that, that, that pulled you back, if you can explain that. Yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, it's tough to describe. Um, I think part of it is, is having a little bit of flexibility in your schedule. Um, obviously we work a ton of hours, so you got to have a strong work ethic. Um, which wasn't an issue uh, for me. You got to be self-motivated in farming because uh, there's no boss going to come to work tomorrow and tell you, you know, hey, we got to go mow the farm out, you know, six miles east of here, for example. You know, you, you just have to be self-driven to know what needs to be done and get the job done. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's just the way I grew up with a, a strong work ethic. I had the opportunities to maybe go see my father at work. Um, you know, where a lot of kids obviously don't through daycares or whatever. Um, I was very fortunate. I could run around the farms with my dad once in a while during the day. Um, and like I said, just, the, just, the, it's more of the lifestyle in general, I guess is the, the easiest way to put it, but very difficult to put in words, but there's something about it. Once you work in agriculture, it's just hard to, hard to let go. Sorry, I don't have better. Oh, no, no, you're fine. More specific answer for you, but. No, so so your kids do, do they get involved in, and are you hoping to pass the business down and keep it in the family? Yeah, so I don't, you know, my my parents never, uh, you know, forced me uh, into the farm. Obviously, they the opportunity was there if I chose to do that, and I, I think I'm going to follow the same with with my two boys. Um, you know, obviously, if, if they would love to come back and farm uh, here with me, I'd love to have them. Uh, you know, and we'll definitely take them on. But if for if you know, life leads them in a different direction. Uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that as well. So uh, I think it's just trying to give them the tools and the experience and then let them decide where their calling's at is, is kind of how, that's how my parents treated me. And, and I, I 
I think it worked out well for me. And uh, so probably pass that on my kids as well. So. So now let's talk about, I mean, you, you, you work in, you know, could be 70 hour plus weeks. A um, lot of, lot of um, labor goes into this. What, what do you do for fun? Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I love to golf. Uh, that's one of my, that's probably my number one hobbies. Um, we obviously love family vacations or, or family time, just even if it's just going to a campground for the weekend, just to relax with family and, and you know, each other, enjoy each other's company. Um, we like to snowmobile, um, you know, just a lot of outdoors activities. If you could talk about it, like one of the best experiences you've had, um, running the business. Uh, I, well, I don't know if I can name one. Uh, I think it's always satisfying when, uh, you're completing a harvest or a time frame, and you know, you did, uh, you got a good product going out the back door to consumers. And you just look back at all the, the hard hours and the time and the, the struggles with labor and the struggles with battling diseases or nutrition programs or whatnot. And when you get to that point where you're finally harvesting and sending in, you know, really the fruits of your labor for the whole year, um, it's very satisfying um, to see that, you know, come to fruition. So I, I don't know if there's a specific one that comes to mind, but just in general, there's a lot of moments like that that just give you a lot of satisfaction in what you're doing. What gets you out of bed every morning? Why, why, why did you do this? Besides having to keep the business afloat, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, so if we're being completely honest, uh, it's, it's taking care of the family and the employees, and that's the honest to God truth. Um, that's what gets me out of bed anyways. Uh, my wife used to be a special ed teacher, uh, K through six. She's now a stay-at-home mom since we had our firstborn, um, and she loves doing it. Uh, but uh, I, I love providing for my family, so that way, uh, you know, my wife can be the, the and she's the best mother you'll ever meet. But um, so she can keep doing, uh, you know, what she loves to do, and and it, it even extends on to the other family members. So my father, mother. I mean, it's it's we got three. My brother, my father, and me are the three owners at this point. So we have three families immediate that we're trying to take care of. And uh, so that's a massive driver. It's just trying to take care of the family in general. It's not just my immediate, but just the whole family in general. And then we obviously have a lot of employees that uh, rely on uh, me and everybody else who helps manage this farm to do a good job. And, uh, you know, we, we try to obviously take care of employees the best we can, take care of our family members the best we can. And uh, we, we take a lot of pride and ownership in doing that and huge driver when you get out of bed knowing you have a lot of people uh kind of entrusting their faith in you to do a good job not just for you but for them as well um so that's by far my number one driver to get me out of bed so <laughs> how many employees do you guys have so uh well it, it go it varies different times of year so we have uh i have I used to have four full-time. I had one that, that moved on. So right now, besides family members, we have three more full-time uh, individuals. Uh, and, it, and then uh, doing odds and ends, it could go up to 12. Uh, during cherry season for that month, we'll have about 60 people. Wow. Uh, when we get into peaches, we'll probably have a dozen. And then we get into apples, we'll probably be close to that 18 to 30, depending on how big the crop is. So. Okay. Uh, it, it just depends on the time of the year. So we might have as little as six people run around here. We could have as many as, you know, 66 people run around here. So. So what, what are your uh, three principles? What three principles do you uh, live by? 
Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I have a lot. Uh, in integrity is a big one for me. Um, loyalty. Um, and uh, I don't know, you know, I guess not principles, but, but family um, would, would be my other one. Um, if no. you had to make a pick, I guess my top ones. The top three, yeah. No. And I, I think you kind of touched on this earlier. Um, when I asked about, you know, you're going to school for business, but if you weren't doing this, what, what would be your career? Oh boy. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I love politics. Uh, and obviously I love business. So I would say either something in the political realm or, uh, maybe something managing, uh, somewhere in some corporation, uh, you know, hopefully up the ladder little ways. Uh, but that would, if I wasn't farming, that would probably be the two areas I would, you know, probably be looking at. So. Ah, nice. Nice. And, and my last question, Mike is, is what does the future look like for the writer farms? Sure. Uh, well, you gotta, you gotta be optimistic if you're a farmer. Um, I know everybody's having tough times right now and, and, uh, uh, negativity and depression is really, uh, hitting hard in the agricultural world uh, for farmers. Um, and, that, and that's not commodity specific. That's all over the board. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think for DeRider Farms right now, obviously, uh, we're trying to weather the storm like we traditionally do during those low times or those low years. Uh, but I think we're optimistic for the future. I think you got to be. Otherwise, uh, you know, why, why would any farmer get out of bed maintain a crop to break even if you didn't think there was a future in it. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd sell off the crops, you'd sell off your tractors, your farms, you'd sell off your equipment. You, you'd call the day if you didn't have hope for the future. Um, so obviously we have hope for the future here at Derider Farms and uh, we're going to keep pressing on and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I call it controlled growth, but not, not too fast, uh, hopefully not too slow, but just kind of a controlled, smart way of growing and, uh, you know, keep, keep producing food for the future. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, the first podcast. So I hope I, you know, I hope I did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And good luck with this too. I mean, I, th I think it's all, it's all good stuff trying to talk about agriculture. Cause like you said, I think there's a lot of people who don't uh, necessarily have had that experience to understand uh, where their food comes from. And I think that's why we get in a lot of these, you know, really heated debates over whether it's GMOs, organic, natural. I mean, everybody throws out these taglines all the mm -hmm. time, but um, they, they come from just, you know, lack of understanding. And I, I don't think it's right or wrong. I mean, I understand when consumers don't necessarily uh, know what they're buying or they don't understand organic or natural or GMOs. And, and sometimes some of the stuff sounds really scary. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is all, I think this is a, all part of it, you know, trying to get that little bit of word out, start letting mm -hmm. people understand where their food comes from and why farmers do what they do. Um, you know, cause uh, mo most farmers aren't trying to, you know, we're growing crops on the land. The last thing you want to do is pollute the, the ground. I mean, that's mm -hmm. literally, that's literally what provides for everybody on this farm. So if I pollute the soil or pollute the environment around me, I, I mean, we're, we're done. I mean, my, my kid's not going to have a prayer to farm if I do bad decisions for the environment. You know what I mean? And, and the same goes with the food. I mean, I, I don't grow anything. I don't feel comfortable feeding to my kids. Um, I don't think that would be fair to a consumer either. I mean, if I'm, you know, if I'm growing an apple and, and say I, I do have to use a chemistry to control a fungicide, 
you know, there's a lot of science behind it that says it's safe. It breaks down the environment before it's harvested and there's no harmful effects to a person. Um, and, and I wouldn't sell it or grow it or use that if I knew it was going to cause problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think there's a lot of fear and a lot of j just lack of understanding, I think. And, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that is. And that's why I really want to, um, you know, again, coming from a background where I don't have the experience with, with uh, food and agriculture, and I, I really want to shed light on some of the misconceptions and Sure. And, um, just have the conversations around those things. So, no, this, yeah. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I learned a lot. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. <laughs>